alive on our favorite topic, not our favorite topic, the most important topic. So we are waiting for Landy Angelie to sign on, who is an amazing, amazing dog behaviorist who has been so, so helpful with us managing Rika's biting. And we went the dog behaviorist route just because we wanted to understand the psychology behind Rika and why she does the things she does. Like, why is she biting? And rather than a trainer, which would teach the dog how to do specific actions that the owner asks. So while we wait for Landy to join, here she comes. All right, here she is, live. Hi, Landy. How are you? How are you? Good, good. Just here with little Rika. She's with her Kong, being a good girl. Good, good. I have Luigi here. Hey, Luigi. Looking out in the garden. So thank you for coming on. Absolutely. So, Landy, before we get started, can you just talk about what the difference is between a dog behaviorist and a dog trainer? Yes, yeah, so a dog behaviorist is going to go into the characteristics of the dog to figure out why the behavior is happening, and so as we can figure out how to fix that. A trainer is actually coming into the home, and we're going to talk to the owners and then train the dog to do a behavior the owners want. Okay. And so, obviously, when we met you, we were having some serious problems with Rika, with the biting. Absolutely. Rika would just go nuts. So a lot of people message asking, what should I do? My puppy's nonstop biting, how do you manage it? So sure. I'll start with this. Um, any puppy, regardless of breed, we have so much energy and a lot of biting, which is called mouthing. So they're just using that mouth to figure out what everything tastes like. It's kind of like their arms. With the male or shepherds, um, any alpha, um, now they're using it because they're working dogs. They were breeded that way. So now we're going to work a little bit different with those dogs because their intent is to hold and use that mouth. So we have to redirect the dog, especially if he's going to be a family dog and not so much a working dog. We really have to balance those out. Very important that we balance those out. And so we're going to talk about exercise being key to everything we do. Everything, everything. If a dog's too excited... We can't get too, if a dog's too excited, we can't do exercises with them. Meaning the mind's not there to even take in what we're trying to tell them, which is sit or stay or don't bite. So we need a calm dog and that means exercise that dog. And you're so great at showing that, showing that to your audience. You're always out there, you're always working, Rika. And you know how important that is, bringing that dog back and then working stuff at home. Well, she's a different dog. Like if we, if she doesn't get that exercise, she she will just be so bitey. And now it's calmed down now that she's a little bit older. But you know, two months in, eight weeks to fifteen, sixteen weeks. I mean, it's it's only been recently that she's calmed down with the biting. Yeah, and I, I want to share something so all all everyone that owns a dog understands this. The dog does go into a puppy stage using his biting. Then it controls it, and then it hits an adolescent again. And that's anywhere between 7 to 11 months. And you're going to see that reappearing again. That's their adolescent to figure out 
what they should be doing. And remember, now they're in the human life, a little bit difficult than in a dog pack. So then you're going to see that reappearing. And then again, we have to go back, reshow the dog. Um, if you can keep it in a balance, you won't see that temperament change when they're going to adolescent. So training them through that area, through that special time is very important. Okay. That's what we see a lot of rescue dogs end up at shelters. It's that period that people don't understand that they do go through an adolescence. So you might have a perfect, perfect dog and then eight, nine, all of a sudden the dog's changing on us. He's getting dominant. That is just the nature of the dog. Mm -hmm. And that's with any breed. Okay. And uh, just to clarify with the audience, we are talking about working dogs. Yes. So if you have, you know, how you would, well, I guess, Landy, you could talk about this, how you would deal with a Belgian Malinois biting and sure. a Golden Doodle. It's going to be yes. a little different. It's characteristics are how that we are breeding. We're talking about a Labrador. It's a family dog. I know one of the questions was, can a Labrador be a, a guard dog? And this would be a really good way to go into it. No, it wouldn't be the best guard dog because it'd be a good watchdog, which is going to alert the owners in telling us that they're here. But does the dog have the drive to become a guard dog or a working dog? And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about working dogs. They have a drive. They have an intent to do something. They were, they were breeded for that. So everything about their personality, whether, of course, you have different personalities in every dog. One might be, you know, um, calmer, more, more active, might, might, might have a more bite on their bite, more or less. So with a Labrador or a Golden Retriever, um, we can train them more calmly because they're not that active. They're not that driven to do something and always be working. They can just sit there and relax. It can, it's kind of like when I'm training, I can ask a German Shepherd maybe five times to sit and he's going to do it. I can ask the Labrador 12 times he's going to do it. Mm -hmm. They tend to just softer and sweeter where the working dog is going to be like, you already asked me five times. Mm -hmm. It's just a different dog. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Exactly. So, okay, how do you stop puppy biting, maligator biting? Okay, first we want to introduce vocals, commands that we're going to work with our dogs because then we're working with the dog and trying to tell the dog to do something, yet the dog doesn't understand um, what we want. So, for instance, if I'm telling the dog no bite, and I really haven't added that to his vocabulary it's like me saying grapes mm -hmm. so the first thing we want to do is add these vocabularies and i kind of wrote it here so i don't we want to add sit which is number one that every dog should have then stay and then come down's good but i don't consider down one of my 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 three important ones i'm going to go then to no bite <laughs> with our working dogs and leave it and then down those are so much more important. Everything else is going to be a plus. Those are the, the six that we really need to start showing our dogs. Now, it takes them one week to learn one command if it's repeated about 50 to 60 times. So use it. If the dog lays on itself, go, go ahead and say, oh, a Rika, put down. So whether the dog is doing it or we're asking the dog to do the behavior, um, we want to make sure that we're repeating it so the dog can connect that, those two things. And so then when we start adding no bite and working with the dog, for instance, with the peanut butter um, situation or a couple of things we're going to talk 
today, I'm just going to help the dog understand what we're communicating. Otherwise, the dog is just going with, with body language. And, and so if we can add commands to, the work, to our dogs, it's going to be a better communication. Number two is any exercise that we are going to do with our dogs, we have to exercise them. So the dog is less... It's, it's calm and then able to do these exercises with us, one being the peanut butter. Um, but let's, for instance, say you're playing with your dog and he starts fighting because he's excited, right? N number one that, has to, that we need to do is stop everything. Stop everything you're doing. If the dog's on your lap, we're going to place the dog down. Anything the dog is doing when he's biting, he has to start losing the play with you, the interaction, because that's what's going on. He's so in, in your face. So what we want to do is grab that collar. I want to really emphasize that about collars. When we're having a dog or having a dog stop biting, we've got to grab the collar and not the body. Because our hands are more are much more stronger than our vocals. We touch, we feed. So when we try to touch our dogs in excitement, they might take it as a plus. I wanted behavior. Mom wants me to do this because she's mm -hmm. touching me. So we want to make sure when we want to stop a behavior, we're really stopping the correction in the neck. And so I, I think you talked about martingale collars um, or prong collars, whatever collar the dog is using. We want to hold the collar, pull it away. This will keep the dog's neck up and then give you more control of that dog. Because if you're grabbing that dog, then you guys are playing and you, the owner looks like, it's out of control, not the dog, because the dog's mind is we're playing. So when a dog gets overexcited, that's when the biting's coming. It's like it's all, it comes together. The owner has to keep one thing in mind. Do not interact with the dog in the same excitement. Quite the opposite. Bring everything down. That doesn't mean you're mad at the dog. That means energy from you just releases itself. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're too excited and you just really upset just stop don't even correct the dog because the dog's not going to get anything from your excitement and it is incorrecting the dog's excitement it's going to understand more no contact with the dog no play and then the dog understands why there's an isolation that i was just given like a timeout they really understand that Letty, can you talk a, a little bit about when you bring uh your puppy home and kind of the the how, as owners, you have to control the environment and you're controlling the behavior and why that's so important to have that control. Yes. So, number one, when you're bringing a dog home to control any biting, we are going to start feeding by hand. That really teaches the dog who's in control of this pack. Why? Because the pack member brings the food. That's how it's done in the wildlife, and that's how we're going to present it to the dog. Especially if a dog's super quick in their food. I mean, they're just not even enjoying it. We definitely want, you know, and I know they have dishes and stuff and that's all great. But with our mouths, with our working dogs, we want to make that contact right away. We want to make sure that the dog understands that we're bringing this food to you. Um, so we definitely want a control in feeding and then also in control in laying down the food and asking the dog to sit and wait. All, all these little things that we're doing right from the very beginning is re really just putting of uh, rules and boundaries of what the dog needs to follow. And for any puppies, like I told you when I first entered your house, 
two, only two things must be happening in their world because they're like sponges. There can't be no gray area with them. It is the behavior that they are doing in the home is a positive one and one that the owner wants. And we got to look that also in the future, not because puppies do cute stuff now and it, we allow it, but we have to think this puppy's going to grow in six months and it's no longer cute. So we shouldn't even teach that dog that behavior. Almost like people teach rough play and then they want the dog not to bite. Well, we should teach the dog not to bite and then go into rough play. Okay. Yeah. Do you see where we can, we can confuse a puppy? If, you're, if I'm showing you how to rough play and then I'm going to teach you not to bite, it's just not rough play. There's time for that, mm -hmm. it's, especially for a working dog. So let's teach them calmness first, control first, and then we can introduce the bite work, the, the, the um, tug, because they're really good already at that. So um, controlling food, controlling how they behave in their excitement, because everything you control about bites is just excitement. So with training, whether I go in teaching a puppy or a red zone dog, all I'm trying to do is try to get my dog's high state of mind to listen to me. So for a puppy, his state of mind is always high because it's so exploring. Everything's new. Everything I want to see and what it tastes. So we want full control, especially in your home. Um, so eating is number one that we can find a lot of control. Walking is key. What leash and what collar you're using on your dog for walking really plays an important role of interacting with our dogs. How the dogs are going to interact with me is that biting my, my, um, my pants or biting the wrist of my hands, which a lot of shepherds do. I want to talk about that. This is control. If you notice when they play, they go right to the bottom of the feet. They figure out that our hands, the same thing, we control a lot with them. So our hands and our wrists, to them become a thing we want to control. So you see puppies trying to grow this area, they're trying to control you. Mm -hmm. um, even with that, we want them, anytime a dog, your puppy touches and touches your skin, I want you to yelp because that's the way they learn. And I also want you to pull away and have them stop. Meaning I want all that to stop so the dog can understand that anytime that I make contact with everything stops. It really teaches the dog that he can't go further than that. Mm -hmm. For someone who, uh, you know, say their, their boyfriend is kind of like way more strict and way bigger and, you know, the, the girlfriend like can't control the situation and doesn't have that, um, doesn't have the, the size. Sure. How do you kind of, um, you've taught me to stand tall and, you know, All be big. Anytime you are commanding your dog, I'm going to stand up for this. I always see owners go down and speak because they're smaller or, or lower. Never. You always want to be up. The higher you are, the more positive you are, the more positive and more alpha you look, right? Um, and that's even when, like I said, when the dog's biting, get yourself back up. Um, and of course, you being bigger, always standing over your dog is always going to intimidate that dog. So make sure your dog is not over you and doing these behaviors that as owners, we don't know what the dog's doing. But as a behaviorist, I'm telling you, that every time your dog comes and he positions himself really tall or leans on you, that's a claiming on the dog. And we owners think, oh, my God, he's so cute. The dog's just pushing himself on me. 
yeah, because he's claiming you. So I would look around your surroundings, see if the dog appear, if the cat appear, did dad appear. So those are little things that we want to make sure that we stop the behavior because those things are going to go outside in the world and interact with other dogs. Um, so type of biting here, we definitely, for us, smaller women, um, even smaller boys, I always say bring a, I have one here, hold on, a fly swatter. Our best friend, our extended hands. This really gives you power in the extent of we're not going to hit the dog, but really slam it on the floor, really show an intent of what you're doing is incorrect and mommy and daddy not really happy about it. It really shows the dog in a different, a different side of you. And in the real world, um, I wish I could say that positivity is really going to change a dog. We have working dogs. We really need to be strong individuals with our dogs. Um, we, we need to exercise and really know where their boundaries. Mind you, every dog is different. Um, but a working dog always has the intent to do something. So if we're not meeting those needs, it's going to come out in a different way. And so it's really important that we read about your breed, really need what their needs are. So once those are um, addressed, they're more balanced. So this will help us take more control in the biting. For instance, let's say my dog is biting my pants. I'm going to correct him once by pulling him away and having him sit. If he comes back at me, I'm going to have this. And before he hits my pants, I'm going to hit the floor. I guarantee you the dog's going to back away. And you're going to say no bite. So anytime you give a command, anytime you want a dog to stop something, every time I use this, it has to come with a command. This, this is like no bite or um, no chewing. This, this represents something that we're correcting the dog with. So and you can't just say no alone. It has to be no bite, no yes. chewing, no what is, jumping. What is no? No to a dog is, it becomes almost like a wah, wah, wah. Because we're always saying, no, no, but we're not telling the dog, no, what is he doing incorrectly? No, stop barking, pull him out of the window, bring him to you. That allows the dog, the barking was then stopped and brought to you. But if you leave a dog barking and you just say, no, the dog's going to continue barking the moment you stop. Mm -hmm. So we want to put commands to what we're saying. And I, you, I also want to say, I'm glad you said you brought it. No, yes. I, you always, I always use yes and no. When those are being used together, then they're perfect because it's a balance. If I'm always using no and I tell the dog yes, then yes should represent itself like a clicker. Like, yes, you did that perfect. Yes, you're doing the actions correctly. So instead of having a clicker, we should use yes and no. So then the dog again is, he doesn't want me to bark, but yes, you can go to your bed. Mm -hmm dog you're giving the dog a communication and that's sometimes where we 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 kind of human find our dogs to be worse than they are only because they really don't have the command words to understand what we're saying so i'll explain it this way um my husband's italian i'm spanish the dad speaks to me in italian i take words and put it together that's how dogs understand our world if the dog understands sit, stay, come, and no bite, let's say that's all he understands, and then you're outside saying, get over here, leave it. It's like Chinese. Yeah. It's like talking about apples and grapes. So we want to make sure that the dogs have the commands that we need 
to have to communicate, which is no bite, space. Um, and then that way, when it becomes, when they become stronger in their commands, it's communication and understanding that the dog gets. And just with the commands, I always get the question, should I train my dog in German or should I train my dog in English? Okay. We'll we get to you, KMG Motorsports. I see you. You have a question. <laughs> let, let Landy so, answer this one first. So um, what was the question? I'm so sorry. Um, people ask, why are you training your dog in German? Should I train yeah. English? German, here. So with our, our mouths, I, I want one word, whether you only use English. I want you, everyone to use fui, which is no. And that word should only be used to really let your dog know, huh, stronger than no. So the reason my dogs are as well English and German, um, it gives the owner a stronger call. So we're in the park and everybody's speaking English and the dog's he and come. And I say he, it's a different. Mm -hmm. So the dog is able to distinguish the, the call. Now for, for, the, for um, the males, it's just great to pair them off um, with it. It gives you more words to use, actually, meaning if you are in a daily um, environment, you use your English. If you want the dog to be working and you really need them on, you go to German, and that's what I use. So mm -hmm. it really gives the dog a distinguish of what's going on. Am I more free-spirited? We're just hiking with mom and dad. English. If we're working, break out that German. The dog mm -hmm. knows I'm in working zone. And, and, and it really does change different behavior. Yeah, it definitely helped me with the consistency and the, the tone of it all. Yes, so, yes. That was helpful. Okay, so KMG Motorsports, I see that you want to ask a question. So you have the floor, what is it? Okay. So we're just going to go to, let's go to Nala because she, Nala the Black Shepherd. I have an eight-week-old working line shepherd. How can I fulfill her need to bite since that was what they were bred for? Okay. Now, a couple questions I'm going to ask is if you have children in there, um, any, I work with a lot of children, and I would say if you have children in the home, this is my own personal opinion, I wouldn't go into a biting um, area because now we're triggering and teaching a dog a new trigger that he will have or she will have to trigger to and if you are very consistent with the dog that we're teaching to bite then I say go for it but if we're only going to be strong in the very beginning and then it's just going to be a part of his life that dog can use that trigger because it's in him we taught him at any point so for me I'd rather get a watchdog in a guard dog that knows to bite when I know I have a lot of children around me. Okay. Nala, did that answer your question? Now, if you want it, the best way is to go and get a, there's so many uh, places out there, I can even recommend some, to go and get correct biting instructions. So it's really instructional. We get commands and the dog gets an, uh, one word, I think, to trigger that bite. Okay, so this is from KMG Motorsports. Okay, when my dog is barking in the house, how do I distinguish a bad bark 
first a good bark when someone's at the door or something. Great. So if we're talking about puppies, Pi's just going to go, hey, I'm alerting. But even with them, the low bark, the low growl, the low growl in any dog is very different from the high-pitched voice. High-pitched um, barks will be an excitement, an alert. Um, the low is the uncomfortableness. And I um, believe that the low is one that a dog connects on a very low level that the human doesn't have. It's a, I always say like when your dog meets somebody and just not vibing, I would always take your dog's thing. Sometimes they're picking up something that the human can see. So low growl would tell me something's really uncomfortable compared to a high pitched bark. Now addressing any bark at the home, especially if we're learning it's a puppy, we definitely want a four or five bark rule that allows the dog to do what it was attempted to do to alert. Then we want to address the dog and say, uh, Rika, I got it. That really then removes the, the, the responsibility of the dog back to me or to the owner. And then I got it back. So then two things are happening there. The response is back to me. And then I'm going to stop that barking because otherwise you're going to have a bark, a dog that's always barking with no control. Mm -hmm. So we want a dog that bites. And then also barking in the house also keeps strangers away. So we want them to use their bark, but we want the owner to know when to stop it. Okay. So four to five barks, lower tops, call the uh, let the dog know, hey, I got it. That really dog lets the, the pack member know, hey, the alpha has it, gets it back to you. And if the dog's barking at the door or barking at the window, the next move is to call your dog to you, unless you want him to guard. Unless you want your dog to guard, you leave the barking to go on. The more the dog, the dog goes on, the higher the excitement gets. Now, if you want the dog, now let's say you're in a fearful mode, now you are gonna get in a very low, like watch, like nervous tone of voice. So then the dog can pick up, oh wait, I don't really communicate with my parents like that and they're bringing this weird energy. The dog then will pick up the weird energy and go into more growling and more of a guarding mm, situation. Okay. So as if we want to, you want the dog to guard, leave that barking, let him go into that crazy mode and don't change it because that's what he's getting ready for. So you're really just shaping the behavior, whether it's no, we don't accept a bark, or bark. Go, and, go ahead and do, go and do your job. Yes. Okay, awesome. So this is a question from Amanda. I have a four-month-old Malinois. She keeps biting her tail and leash. How can I work to fix that? Perfect. So tail, I'm hoping it's going to be just a fun thing, and we really want to nip that in the butt, because dogs that do that, uh, huh, not good for the mind. So anything, especially when you're going to walk your dog, this is with any dog, they want to grab that leash. It's fun. So what you're going to do is you're going to do this at home with no distractions. So there's just you and the dog. You're going to put the collar. You're going to put the lead. And I really recommend you guys to learn how to walk your dogs in your home, in your backyard, before going outside in the big world. It really gives the dog the chance to learn what it needs to learn with all those other distractions because... Our dogs can smell much more than us. They are hearing higher in vibration. So we can dress rehearsal. I love saying the dress in our home and then take it out on the outside. You're going to get a better 
response. You're going to get a better dog um, to do so. So I went on to there and I forgot the question itself. What was um, if the dog is biting the leash and the okay. So you're going to get a, a really good treat, but not a treat that is going to be in it for a second. I want a bully stick. I want a heart stick. And I'm going to be in front of the dog. So I'm going to be walking the dog almost like this. The dog's right here. Every time the dog wants to bite, again, no bite. And you're going to place the treat right in the nose. So we're doing two things. I'm tricking the, I'm tricking the dog to focus on the treat where I'm going to play this around. And every time the dog, and this is going to be, I'm going to walk around and I'm going to do this. Um, I think we did it with Rika. The Rika is more concentrated on the treat. That's where you're giving the dog so he can learn that this that's going around, you're moving around, is unimportant. When the dog goes to that, you say no, and you, and you stop him from grabbing it. Then you go back. What we want is, we want the, mind, the dog's mind to break in two parts or think. And when a dog is playing, he's not thinking. It's impulse. That looks fun. So I, we, for puppies, we need to make what I say open their mind. And so uh, this is the perfect tool to do it is literally get that leash. Um, doesn't even have to be on the dog. I can have it right here and put it in front of the dog and have the treat right here. As soon as he goes to the to the to the leash, I remove that treat. If you don't, if you don't, if you're not pulling on that on the leash, then you get the treat. The dog wants the treat. He's gonna not pull on that on the on the. Uh, now, don't tug anytime the dog's t uh, when the dog is pulling on the lead. I'd rather you drop it okay. because a lot of times it's play, and the moment that you say no, it just started a, a play with it. So I'd rather you drop it. Get the dog's collar, sit him down, and then grab that lead again. Okay. So there's no stopping yeah. all that. With puppies, it's best to drop things and don't do anything and then go back to your basic. Okay. So I also think that we should um, do a video on this so it's easier to see. Well, if we can do this Saturday. Very easy yeah. at puppies. Okay. So Saturday it is. Yeah, we'll mark that. So this is a question from Belle, the Jack Russell Terrier. When my Dobie plays with the neighbor dog, he often puts his mouth on the other dog's neck or leg, but doesn't actually bite. Is there an issue with this? And if so, how do we fix it? So, playing, dog, dog playing is a dog fight, but in a very calm, everything they're doing about the play really indicates a fight. So, if they have a relationship and the other guy really is enjoying it, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, this is the best way to know if two dogs are not playing correctly. First of all, we want really jiggly, loose bodies. We want the down, up. You know, we want to see both of them doing that. We want one to fall, the other to fall. They should be both doing it evenly. If one's on top and you have, now you're not sure, like uh, the other one having fun because he's always in the bottom, you want to go ahead and pull the dog that's being the most dominant you want to pull him away and walk away and if the second dog runs to play then we have okay play if the other second dog doesn't then the the play was too much okay. but with any dog playing dogs are like kids you know they're going to start playing and then one might just take a little hit stronger when dogs start learning how to play i always say supervise it don't put two dogs outside. They just learned that just getting to know each other and place them outside. 
-hmm. they might have different types of way they play, you know. Um, so supervise them and teaching them how to stop playing in the middle of their play. So what I would recommend is having the two dogs play and have teach your dog to space or to come off the dog. This would allow all of us to know that a dog's only playing when I'm able to call my dog off play. If I can't call my dog off play, then intent is too much in there. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's like the con controlling everything, controlling the behavior, the recall. Yes. It's yes. And controlling play is very important because that's where bites come in play, right? So we definitely want to teach our dogs that my, my, my alpha has control of me even if I'm the most excited time, I'm playing with my best friend. He has me, I have him, and mom says, hey, come. And he drops play and comes, full control. Because mm -hmm. you'll always have your dog listening to you when anything's happening. And I, the best exercise for that, I know people think this is weird, is when your dog's asleep, like so tired, he's dead asleep, go to the opposite of the room and call your dog. Wake up your dog from your vocals. You're teaching him two things. No matter what I'm doing, when mom calls, I got to go. And it also really teaches your dog um, in case of a fire and that you can come in, that when mom calls at any point in your deep sleep, I just respond and I, I go to you. And say if um, the, the owner doesn't have that type of control and say the dog has an e-collar, um, it the e-collar e would be is a, I love the e-collar that should be your um, commun communicating from a distance it's kind of like this it's a different type of form uh, but e-collars are wonderful there's a great great training tool for them um, especially our mouths because we can be at point exactly what we don't like it's not the running or what you did it's actually the biting you did in the end and I get to correct the dog right in the biting at that end Mind you, I don't recommend putting um, e-collars on any dogs that don't know their basic commands. It shouldn't be something you put to teach a dog a basic command. We should really, on our own, um, really go one-on-one -on -one with your dogs on that obedience that really builds a relationship, respect with that alpha. Because I believe sometimes when you put an e-collar in a very young dog, um, you're taking control more. The control is that device. And so when we remove that device, the dog is not as good. Mm -hmm. So I really want your dog to be really good listening to you and then say, oh, I'm going to add this just to make you that much better. So just so, so you can be off lead now and I can have an insurance on you. And yeah. That was the most helpful thing that you taught Dave and I is you want to have control without an e-collar there was a, someone else recommended we get the e-collar on asap but you were like no you, no. you want to control and it's been so great for us because her recall is really good and yes. we, it's and we i feel owners. yes i feel when you make that connection the dog understands that it's coming to you and it's doing the behavior because it wants to not because it knows it has to it's a big difference in that intent and where the dog is doing it for you so Canine Zuko asks, I have a seventh-month-old Malinois. Every time I give him a treat, he grabs it. So he grabs it so careless, sometimes he bites me. How can I work on him taking it not so aggressively from my hand? Perfect. So we, peanut butter number one is really good. But here's what I recommend. Uh, 
maybe I can put it on my, no, it's, this is only, a, this is a pin, but I'm gonna pretend it's like a rawhide. <laughs> so I'm gonna get the rawhide, I'm gonna put my finger right here, right? Your dog knows your skin already, so before you give him, you're not gonna give him the treat, you're gonna be working with his mouth, and we're gonna teach gentle. And before we do this, when your dog's laying down sleeping, I want you to go up to him and start saying gentle. I want you to teach him what gentle is. He doesn't know what gentle is. So when they're laying down calm, you can come and go, their snout especially, because that's what we're working on. Gentle, gentle. Again, repeated thought, and let the dog know what that means. Put your face next to the dogs. Tell them gentle. So you understand when faces go to faces, it's always gentle. Mm -hmm. Once a dog understands gentle, also he's gonna understand um, um, what we're talking here, right? So I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna pretend I'm the dog, I'm gonna get it. And every time the dog wants to come hard, kind of like the peanut butter, I'm gonna pull it. Until the dog can look at this rawhide and look at it and have no intent to grab, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it in his mouth. And when it wants to bite, I'm gonna pull it out. And it's so controlled because and a dog's gonna understand I want it, so he's gonna wait for you to see what you're gonna do. But if I go like this to the dog, that's it. The dog knows all this is his, out. You wanna make sure that you are, because you're controlling everything, to let the dog know. Because let's say he does bite when he wants that, I'm gonna go, ouch, no, and not give it to him. And I'm gonna wait five minutes, and then I'm gonna come back to it and be like, okay, let's try it again now. I'm not gonna keep on working. Once he makes that contact with me, everything stops so the dog can start understanding everything stops when i bite when i make that contact mm -hmm. That's so smart. okay eat pray leash when i take my belgian puppy outside to go potty she constantly bites my ankles or jumps at my thighs to bite quite viciously how can i correct this um, first i have to find out the dog doesn't have any anxiety that it's going outside um, it sounds like it's trying to be really really close to you so what I would recommend is holding her to your side. Also, I want to show, let me see if my little guy, or maybe you can show him with Rika, the, uh, the, so to stop biting you guys, right, we have it ourselves, right underneath the snout, you're gonna see a little indenture of the dog. You're gonna place your thumb right in that indenture and press up. At the same time that you're pressing up, you're gonna go over the nose and gently, but firmly, press down and say no bite. He initially is gonna fight that because it's very rare. No bite. The alpha does that a lot. You'll see dogs do it to each other. They try to go over their face to control. What we want to do is show the dog what we don't want it to do. And so by showing the dog, by pressing up here, I have full control of the dog. That's why we always have really high collars for our dogs. Really pressing up here, really, even us, I have no control of my neck. So I'm gonna press down and hold it there and teach the dog no bite. That really is gonna show the dog what we don't want from the mouth. Instead of hitting, really doesn't show anything. Really hitting, it's closing the mouth, allowing the dog to say, wow, this is so uncomfortable. Okay, I get it. Don't do that for me. So that's a good, good, good maneuver we want to have to stop biting. A second one is stop it altogether. Don't interact with the dog. Okay. So that brings up the side submit. Can we talk about that? Sure. Okay. So I'll start you with this. Um, people have different opinions on side submitting um, because it does sometimes, depending on the dog and how he wants to submit or not submit. And most of the time, 
when we're having the dog submit is that we're already bypassed everything I'm telling you, the this, the that, the no, the dog's out of control, right? And we know there's a fine line that our working dog is using his mouth too much. He's, he tore my pants. He really did bite me. And so at that point, we have a dog that is coming out into the human in, in his doggy world. And so submitting a dog, not belly up, because they themselves know that belly up is a submissive. But submitting to the side really is a submission to an alpha. And so what we want to teach our dogs, and we started with Raika from a very young age, is to put it on the side and you're going to grab. It's the same as an e-collar or a prong collar. Um, I don't have, you're going to grab the, the, your nails. Or I'll show you. And, yep. And you're going to put them right here. Or Raika's going to put them. Right. Let's see if she lets you. Come here, Mom. There you go. Here you go. There you go. So right there, we're going to grab that. There we go. So instinctual, the dog says, I'm being controlled. Something the dog doesn't want to do. So he's going to kick. Now he's going to submit himself up, like saying, Mom, I'm not doing anything, right? We don't want our dogs to do that when we're submitting. Because when we're submitting, when we submit a dog, that means something's happening. And so we have, we're going to go in and submit a dog. We're not hurting the dog. We're not. It's more vocal for the dog. You'll see him trying to bite himself out of it. Again, you just hold that collar. What we're looking for is for the dog to just give up. Think about that. It's always a fight between the dog and the, and the owner, or, or the, the owner. And the owners get tired more. We just get, oh, this is just too much. We get frustrated. So really, when we're submitting the dog, is really telling the dog, I need you to just stay, I'm in control. Keeping it right here is like you biting down and you're holding the hind corner, stopping all body. So the dog knows that they're being completely submissive, being submissive and we're taking full control of the dog. So when you have a dog that's out of control and we're gonna show it Saturday, this is a, one of the best way to really show your dog who's in charge. So and I think we, want, we got right in a really, respond to you especially once we got her uh, and it was it's you know it's a not every single time is going to be perfect there's going to be challenge sometimes um sometimes they just give it to you um yeah. but learns what is expected mm -hmm. and i think then this is for some of the people watching that are that feel like they are just kind of helpless like they don't know what to do like my pup we brought the puppy home eight weeks old and he's just he she's going nuts like we don't know what we're doing like we're trying to grab we're yelling like yes. the puppy's just running a yes. Phil, do you have um a filler bone a filler bone yeah the ones we gave to you know when the dog's fighting or just two when a dog is just using their their uh, you can't correct them and just bot mouthing. We have to figure out, are they teething? Should we get them cold chews? Um, bring in knuckle bones because the knuckle bones really help the dog get out what it needs, all that in their bite. So I really like the marrow bones that are filled inside. I just wash them and then I, I fill them with peanut butter, yogurt, sweet potato. You freeze it and then you give it to the dog. The dog eats the inside and they will work all his stress and that extra whatever it needs um, to work some of that biting out. A lot of times dogs stuff energy and it's not like running energy. There we go. So yes. we love that. We fill that in. 
It really takes the dog's mind and it really lets the dog know that this is stuff we want the dog to bite. If the dog doesn't know what to buy, I'm going to bring him things that is okay to bite. Squeakies, 99 store, Dollar Tree. If the dog's going and chewing through things, at this point, I'd rather them chew through toys than your table. So I would run off and get inexpensive toys. Don't expensive toys because they're going to, we have working dogs, we have chewing dogs, and let them, um, ex, you know, get their teeth work, working on toys and knuckles, bully sticks, the right things they should chew on. Mm -hmm. And just to piggyback off of that, off of the side submit, um, and this is something that Landy taught me, when Ryko would be biting, biting my hands and just going nuts, I would just stand up tall, be big, right, uh, I wouldn't say her name, I'd say no biting, uh, yeah, no biting, and then if I, if depending on how crazy it was, and I'm just being completely honest, because sometimes it was out of control, yes, I would side submit her, her fa facing away, and then she would, you know, be there, and then she would just take a really deep breath and then her whole body would just calm down and I remember the first time she just then like went and just fell asleep on my lap and it wasn't like she loved me less or like she was mad and or freaked out yeah. no it was actually helping her calm down because she was yes. super anxious what we want to do is we want to understand our dogs so they can lead us halfway in the human world and we can meet them halfway in the dog world um and they can understand a little bit of our worlds, and then we can communicate a little bit on um, the way they communicate. And so adding command words is very, very important into then working no bite or um, submitting the dog, but also exercise, bringing in teething toys or things that we can say, hey, you can bite this, but you can't bite that. And then really stopping anything that's causing the dog to go crazy into that bite. If you're playing and he gets out of control, stop. Because we're teaching the dog two things. How we're going to control your impulse. And second, that you're not going to bite when you get that excited. And, and biting with the dogs is time too because they're young puppies, depending on what we're talking. Puppies try everything. Um, but making sure that you're not playing with the puppy that's overbiting. You want to stop playing. By, like, you know, we grab our dogs. We don't, with that type of dog, we see it's showing too much play, drive, and uh, um, bite drive. We definitely don't want to do any work that's causing that to come out more until we fix it. Then we show it. Because then the dog gets confused. You're asking me to bite here, but then I can't bite your arm? Mm -hmm. so. That makes sense. Okay, so I just want to go to the questions that were um, submitted yesterday. We yes. touched on a lot of them. Um, a lot of people were asking about how to um, out the dog or, you know, if you're playing tub or with a ball, like how do you get the, get the dog to, to drop it or out? Okay. Two things. You want to get, when we're first teaching our dogs to drop something, which is an out in German or drop it in, um, in English, uh, you're going to get two toys of the same because the reason the dog initially is not dropping it, he doesn't know he's going to get it back. He doesn't know that behavior yet. So what I love to do, I always, I use squeakies a lot because um, they make noise and it makes, so I'll get two squeakies the same color 
And when I start teaching them, I'll throw it. And when he comes back, I'll have him drop it by squeaking the other one. Because that's a new toy. He's automatically going to drop that. And the moment he drops that in his own, I place that command word, no drop. I then get this one, throw that one, let him let him go. And, I, and as you guys are playing with your dogs, add commands. Like when I play with my dogs and I say sit, and I say go get it. And then come. Any, don't let him just come on his own. Tell him, come. So the dog is saying they're calling me. Then when the, go, the, come, the dog comes, you're going to ask it first, drop it. If he does it, squeak it. The dog's going to, you're going to make it like you want this one. The dog's going to drop it. And the moment he drops it, good boy, drop. You pick that one up and go. It's adding that vocabulary and not having to fight. But the moment I go like this to my dog and he doesn't want to drop it, it's playtime. And he's not going to drop it. So you initially want to teach a dog what it means to drop it, to know that I just dropped it and you're going to throw another one? This is even funner. So bringing two toys and then going into one toy is going to help learning the drop. It's like learning a new language. Okay, last question off the sheet. Um, how do I stop ankle um, biting on walks? You touched on it a little bit. Yeah. Ankle biting are two things I guess we're going to address. Is the dog... Um, scared is anxiety is he trying to like you know like a child that has hides behind you or is a dog trying to get your attention right so if the dog is shy and embarrassed like that what i'm going to do is make sure that the dog is really even in front of me so he's not behind me like we want them to walk so i want to bring him in but if the dog is biting almost play again the perfect two foot lead that we should be having so when I go like this, there's not this whole lead that I'm fighting with. There's this little two lead that I'm, again, going to distance my dog away from me. Anytime the dog is too much on you, biting, the one thing that we need to do is i got to distance this dog. Distance to the dog tells them, I don't want you close as a pack member. There's something you're doing that's causing me to push you away. Again, adding the no bite and also key. When asking a dog to sit in between anything we're doing, so if he's running, I ask him to come, sit. If he's biting, and then I get up and ask him to sit. Sit is a neutralizer for a dog. It, whatever he's doing, if I have sit, he's going to bring it down a notch. If I ask him to go down, that's going to be two notches. So when we feel we're losing control, just ask your dog to sit. That puts everybody back to step one. It really brings, you know, uh, brings everybody to step one. So in the outside world, again, if he's going, I would bring a little tissue um, wrap newspaper or, again, my beautiful swatter. And as I'm walking and that dog goes, I'm going to swat my leg because the intent isn't for the dog. You see a lot of walkers, dog walkers carry something like that, and they do it so the dogs don't go ahead. It's right in front of the floor so the dogs know exactly where to stay. So we use this different. We use this to tell the dog, you're going to be grabbing my, my, my leg. This is going to be grabbing your butt, slapping your little butt. So which one do you want? Dog is smart enough to know, I don't want this. I'm kind of scared of that. And then we'll and stop, stop um, biting your clothes. Yeah. It's still control. They're trying to control the situation. Power dynamic. The yeah. power struggle. Okay. Belgian Milo. When I tried to take my three-month pup out at a restaurant, he barked at he barked at a waitress. Then when she got closed, he almost bit her leg. I pulled him back. Three months. Three months. Yes. So that's stranger danger. 
you presented a dog something that it didn't know. Um, here's the thing with any dog, any breed, and I'll tell this to all you guys so you guys can stay um, safe. When you meet a dog, blink. Blink, 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 blink. That's how they greet each other. They blink. They don't have open eyes because for a dog, staring is confrontation. And now, mind you, a young dog just learning the world, sitting down, and this tall person is now over the dog. Very intimidating. So what did the dog do? He growled. Perfect. We don't want to remove none of those vocals. That's the way they communicate. We need those vocals. I love vocal dogs because they're telling me what's going on. The moment that dog growled is the moment that I should have grabbed that lead. It's telling me something. Grab that lead if, because the dog's going to do something if that person comes up. We have to learn our dogs, and the dogs are learning the world, so we, we were taught something there. Mm -hmm. My dog almost went. Mind you, we have to right away because he's a young dog. We have to socialize this young dog and not by touching him. This young dog that we're speaking of has to go out in the world and get used to people. Take them walking. Don't go, take them more where you're going to see people walking, like the Rose Bowl. You see people with, running with little kids. He has to be more aware of what's out there so when someone comes and greets him and understands, oh, it's, okay, it's, everything's going to be fine. So when we are showing our new dogs to be in the outside world, when a vocal comes out, we have to, it's kind of like a kid. You have a child and it, and it screams. It's an automatic what happens. The dog with our, we have to listen to our dog's vocals. If the dog just growled, it's telling the owner and the outside person, stay away. If the lady took the step in, then the dog's instinct said, I'm going to protect myself. So by me grabbing that lead, it tells the dog, I'm the pack leader, don't, don't react. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of similar, like when a dog is laying down and say it gives you that, that side eye and yeah. growls, like don't keep don't on trying. It. That's a... Yeah. It's telling you. Bite waiting to happen. It's, it's, re it's really telling you. And, I, and people don't understand that. You know, I hear people in the growl and they're like, but it's okay. She's never, she's never, but she can because it's, it, she might, she's telling you. So I'm always very cautious and aware and respectful about dogs communicating with us. They are communicating with us. And that's the part that we have to understand, especially with our working dogs. They're there to meet us. Uh, a lot of dogs, let's say, like a multi-poo. They're there to, we're, we're there, they're there. There's not a lot of this going on. It's the dog is just a lap dog. But with a working dog, they're made and breeded for us to make that interaction. Yeah. Last question. Should I get a soon-to-be guard dog used to people? Should, should I be socializing it? So... I'm going to break it down like this. If your dog is in your home with people and kids, the first thing has to be socializing to a family rule. We can always get a dog, whether it's young, old, to become a protective dog, a guard. It's in them. So what I like, so we can keep a real balance, is really not show the dog the excessive part. First, teach them the good part. How to be calm, how to be around people, how to read about dogs. And that's not doesn't take too long because they're pretty smart. They get it much younger than a, a, a Labrador or a, or a Pitbull would, right? They're just more sharp on that. Uh, so I would 
socialize first in a calm family and then once the dog's a little bit more mature and understanding you then i would go into the other part of it and the dog's better his mindset is better to even take that part more stronger and quicker mm -hmm. yeah well i always have to say with male dogs um it's all you can always have a working dog like you uh with Raika. you're working your dog that's a working dog it's it's learning its tricks it can crawl the thing it's i don't think you're gonna go and take them to military or do protection but you're getting them there because that fulfills that dog so for the male and the shepherd, they had that fulfillment to do these running things and be, be really sharp on things. And so that should be a very enjoyment part in your, in your relationship with your dog. That's a special thing that you guys have, unlike other breeds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll celebrate that. There's yeah. some positive parts of the biting. Yeah. <laughs> well, Landy, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. It's been an hour, and you have been so awesome. Guys, I'm going to save this because I think it's awesome information, and we'll put it on the feed. Thank yes. you again. Until See you guys Saturday. Time. Bye. Yes. Bye.